You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to The Fabulous Invalid, a Broadway-centric podcast where we take a 360-degree view at the business of Broadway through interviews with actors, writers, directors, designers, and everyone in between. I'm Jamie Dumont, recovering Broadway marketing associate, personal chef, and event planner. And I'm Rob Russo, writer and theater critic with Stage Left at NYC. Hi, Rob. Hi, Jamie. Well, here we are. Uh, tonight, we're actually doing something a little um, different for yes, us. and now for something completely different. Absolutely. Oh, a Monty Python reference. Yeah, I, wow, I know Rob, my Monty Python. You surprise me every day. Oh, um, <laughs> but we are, um, we're coming to you, uh, we're actually, today we're bringing you a special summer bonus edition of The Fabulous Invalid. We're coming to you from the grounds of Bosco Bell House and Gardens, which for the last three decades has been home to the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. Yes, and I wish everyone who's listening to this podcast could be with us right now because I am currently looking out at a great lawn that is truly great uh, that overlooks the Hudson River, uh, and there's some uh, hills in the distance, and West Point. It is a beautiful, sunny, you know, 80-degree summer day here, and it's absolutely astonishing. And no exaggeration to say that a little bit ago, we were hearing ammunition go off yeah, that's right. from <laughs> some sort of explosion across the river. I don't yeah. know what that was. I believe you said they're blowing stuff up. Yeah, I think I did. Uh, so last night, Jamie and I came to see Much Ado About Nothing um, under the tent that they have here on the grounds uh, where the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival performs. And tonight we're seeing Into the Woods, uh, which is the first musical that they've ever produced uh, in their 30 plus years of uh, producing shows here. Um, and this is a really, really, really special place that we experienced together last night for the first time and will again tonight and encourage all of you listening, if you have any interest, um, to get your butt up here before the season's over because there's nothing like it. It's very easy to do. That too. You get on yes. a train, it's an hour 15, they have a shuttle, but I, I have to say I am hooked I will come back again and again and again. Oh, for sure. It's a very special place. Absolutely. And, and I have to say, you know, we're seeing Into the Woods tonight. This is my fourth Into the Woods of 2019. That it is. Uh, which, I'm a glutton for punishment, but when it's Into the Woods, is it really punishment? 
Should you really say you're a glutton for punishment when I it am. comes to end of the world? Well, exactly. exactly well, exactly. Right, some right, were right. less punishing than others. Well, we've, we've, we, this will be our third our together. Third together. And then right. you cheated yes. on me once and saw another wow. production. That's right. I Not far from here. Yeah, Barrington actually. Stage up in Massachusetts. Yeah, which um, was but quite fun. You know, it's. It, it, I think everybody listening knows Into the Woods, so we don't have to talk about it too much. But it is one of those shows that literally can be done in a variety of different ways. Yes. And it's. 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 it's it, it's an extraordinary piece of theater. Mm-hmm. And much like the works of Shakespeare, there's no real, you know, the, there's a roadmap, but you can do anything with it, right? You can take the words and you can set it anywhere. You can do anything with the story. Um, and so I'm excited to see what they do with Into the Woods tonight. Yeah, because be I think it's going to be a little different than oh, what, I, what we've I, seen I think previously so this sure. year. Uh, you know, first and foremost, because we're going to be under a tent um, out in nature. there. I'm literally looking at some woods right now off to my side. And you know those will be utilized. Oh, yes. They were last night. Yep. Which is, and they were lit beautifully. Yeah, something that's really cool about the, about the way they use the space. It's a very um, intimate space, uh, about 550 seats in the theater. Um, and it's, it's basically, it's like a circus tent. They perform on um, a sandy uh, uh, stage floor. There's no deck. Um, and every entrance and exit possible uh, is, is used, used. Yep. throughout the throughout the production, much like seeing something at the Delacorte, but in, in Central Park, but much more intimate. It's an elegant circus, Ted. I feel it's like a, I oh, need. Yes, to, yes. I feel like it was designed specifically for the festival. That's right. And it um, it is it is it is architecturally quite beautiful. Yes. for a tent. Yes, <laughs> exactly uh, for a tent. Um, perfect. Well, we're going to be sitting down with three different folks um, who are associated with. The Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. Kayla Coleman, an actress. Yes. And a student. Yes. Here. And Sean McNall, who is the Associate Artistic Director and also the Director of Education. And then, of course, the man himself, Davis McCallum, who is the Artistic Director Fabulous. of the festival. Well, shall we get to our interviews? We shall. Let's do it. Right now, we are joined by Kayla Coleman, who can be seen as Ursula and C. Cole in Much Ado About Nothing, and as Little Red in Into the Woods. Kayla, thank you so much for talking with us today. Hey! <laughs> Hi! <laughs> now, we know you need to go prepare for Into the Woods tonight, so mm-hmm. we're going to keep this brief. But we no are worries. very, very excited to see the show tonight, as we were just talking about before we got started. Um, to dive into questions. You just graduated from NYU, Tish, yes, last year. Oh, yes, we've done our research. We've done our research. Oh, my. Uh, And this is your first show at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about your experience here? Yeah, so this is my first season here. Season, right, season. And I'm part of the conservatory company, which means I'm in an ensemble of five other um, people who are pretty early in their career, Mm -hmm. young folks who are getting started in the business, some recent graduates, some people who've done graduate school, and like all paths have led to here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a rigorous audition process for a lot of us. And um, we were basically chosen to be part of the whole season. So we are in Much Ado About Nothing as cast, in Cymbeline as cast, and most of us are have like lead roles, principal roles, and named roles in Into the Woods, which is really exciting. Yeah. How did you come to the festival? How did you hear about it? So I didn't know jack about the festival. <laughs> I never heard of it until um, uh, the casting director, Stephanie Clapper, she called me in like, I think it was a Thursday night I got the email, Thursday like late evening I got the email for an appointment on Friday. <laughs> and that's the thing they don't train you right. in school. They don't tell you, you don't get three days to prepare for an audition. You don't get that. That's a luxury. Right. Like you're lucky if you get 48 hours, 24 <laughs> hours. So she called me in. And I'm looking through this email, and it was like, 
these sides, these songs from the show have a Shakespearean monologue, contemporary monologue. If you have an instrument, bring it. And I was like, okay. What's your instrument? Uh, I play the flute. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Did you play so, the flute in your audition? I did, too. I did have to play. <laughs> did, so, what, do you know what song you played? I played... Was it Amazing Grace I played on the flute, oh, I believe? I've never heard that on the flute. I bet it sounds good. Yeah, I think I played Amazing Grace. <laughs> and they put me through the ringer. Everything they said to do, I did. Right, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it seems like it was a good preparation for the summer. Yeah. Right? It was, it was a it nice was really entree good. into what this was going to be And I'm like, the right? type of person, if you say you're going to do all those things, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to take it at face right. value. And I'm going to come up with mm -hmm. all those things prepared. Yep. So what have you learned now from your experience at Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival? Hmm. Or are you still learning? <laughs> oh, I'm still deep in the process. Yeah. I think something that is really heavily like on my mind, at the forefront of my mind right now, is preservation. Preserving the body, preserving stamina, um, rigor, um, learning how to pace myself. Uh, at a certain point, we were doing three shows, and now we're doing two, and we were, we were rehearsing two, Rehearsing one, running two, it, get confu it gets confusing <laughs> at a certain point. You're just kind of whizzing around. Right, you're whizzing yeah. around. So you have to learn uh, how to calibrate your energy and your body and, and listening to your body, listening to your mind, getting the rest. And my teachers, they were not playing in class and they were like, you know, put on those knee pads. Like, you need these for the rest of your life. This right. is not just for this moment in time. And you have to... You have to make sure you're taking care of yourself, and that's so important. The self-care is really important. That's what I'm realizing. I've already got a couple bumps and bruises, and now I'm <laughs> no. like, okay, we got to well, let them heal. Let's talk about that for a second, because I think some of our audience don't know that you're working on a stage that's basically sand. We're working in a sandbox. We're yeah. literally on the playground. Yeah. Right. We're on the playground. <laughs> it's an adult playground. That's what it is. <laughs> and the shows are very interactive, if you've mm -hmm. never seen a show here. Uh, in Much Ado, I'm very much so climbing things, running through the aisles yeah. in between seats and things like that. You'll see tonight in Into the Woods, and listeners, you'll see if you come, we are taking all the exits. We're using the woods. We're using the beautiful Belvedere. Like, you can see West Point from the theater. We're using all the most imaginative ways to make this thing come alive. We are in the woods doing it. <laughs> yeah. There are, you're not mic'd, right? We are mic'd for this. Oh, you're, you're mic'd? Okay, so yes. you weren't mic'd for Much Ado. We're, we're never mic'd for the Shakespeare's. Oh, I love that. But we are mic'd, and it, that adds a really nice touch to the shows as well. You, It's kind of daunting at first, and you're like, what do you mean I'm not mic'd? And there's 600 people in the audience every night? Okay, how, does, how is this going to work? Right. But you get you calibrate, you get used to the tent and what it feels like to speak. And then you get all that good voice and speech training you got. Exactly. You put it to use. It and comes you, into play. It comes into play. Right. And this is not my first time performing outside. Mm. Um, I did Big River mm. in front of a river <laughs> in Massachusetts. <laughs> <There you laughs> two go. years, uh, was it two years, almost two years ago, two and a half years ago? Talk about a perfect site-specific. Right? Yeah. Site-specific in front of a waterfall. Oh, gosh. In the middle of Ma uh, Sturbridge, Massachusetts. Cool. And we were Mike there, but Mike, Mike's only project what you are giving. That's right. right. Um, mm. So clarity is important, and clarity is always more important than volume. If you're clear then that's what, because you're going to be conveying the story. That's what's important. And you can't predict the elements. I mean, I can hear the train going in the background right now. There's, there's. Oh, there's, there's always there's, a train going. Yeah. There's always a midnight train to Georgia <laughs> hopping over there. Um, and it's great how you have to incorporate that stuff into the right. show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for opening night for Woods, oh my gosh, we had the best weather possible. It was thunderstorming. 
Oh God, that's and I, perfect. And I, I believe that's the best way to do Into the Woods. It got dark exactly when the story got dark, and mm. when the story gets real, the weather got real. And I, I, I believe in God. I believe in a higher power, and all things are working on my side at all times. And so. It was lightning crackling right when the witch was exiting. Stop there were it, it, it Stop was it. children. Children will, uh, will listen. Uh, we were all coming in the coming forward in the rain oh with umbrellas. Uh, uh, when the giant's footsteps were going, we heard some thunder happening. Um, oh, perfect. When, you had the best collaborator possible. When I the think. baker <laughs> up and left the group, uh, uh, we hear the giant footsteps of the thunder going, and me, Cinderella, and Jack, we all looking at each other and running in the rain. And so I, it, it can only, if you have an open heart and an open vessel, it can only add to the experience. Mm. So for me, that's how I interpret it. Whenever I heard the thunder, I was like, we don't know where the giant is. The giant's over there. The giant's behind <laughs> us. The giant's in front of me. I, I, I don't know where she is. Mm. I don't know where she is. It can only add to my experience as Red, if mm. that makes sense. But I think this show also suits itself to this space because if it's a beautiful day and it's sunny and it's 75, it's a great show. Right. If it's thunderstorming, it's a great show. <laughs> if it's cloudy, it's a good show. Yeah. Which is the mark of? A good show. Yeah, exactly. That's right. right. Yeah. Well, we want to let you go and get ready for this great show, but I have a question because I did I did stalk you on, on social media ah! a little Jamie's bit. Signature move. Which I love yeah. to do. At, question? Well my question is on one of your social medias, it, Instagram. It, Instagram, you call yourself an artistic disruptor. And I love that term and I want to know what that means to you. Artist is my profession. But being a artistic disruptor is my calling and like my life mission, if that makes sense. Mm, absolutely. Um, and so how do I make those two coincide? That's always what I'm looking to think about. Um, and there are places and people who are doing those constantly. Um, and I try to affiliate myself with those places and those places that do that spiritual, hard, deep work and critique and look at how we uh, how we come to our art and whose voices aren't being heard and who are we not listening to and what stories aren't being told and also the dynamics of just any theater company who's in positions of power how do we make everyone a part of the table or forget that how do we build a new table right. okay because some <laughs> tables are old and rickety and they don't we don't need to sit at them right. and i may not necessarily want to sit at them mm. so when i say i'm an artistic disruptor that means I'm here to disrupt the practices that have rewar been rewarding some and not others. And how do I make it an equal playing field? And not only an equal one, but an equitable one for everybody mm. as well. Sometimes we have to throw stuff away and start from scratch. And that's okay. Because who is it serving? If it's not serving everyone, if it's not serving me and the people that I come from in my community, then that's a problem. And who are we doing for? If we're doing something for the greater good and we're trying to reach the widest audience, then let's hold ourselves accountable and I'm going to hold myself accountable and everyone else accountable to find a solution to do that. Right. And to do that work. And that's not easy work. And those are hard conversations to have, but they need to be had. It's small changes. The way we talk about things, I think there, there, there are power in our words. Oh, there are, absolutely. There's power, there's absolutely. power in our words. And words mean a lot. And that's why I'm very intentional with the words I choose. And that's how I approach being an artistic disruptor. It starts with the day-to-day -day interactions. Mm -hmm. You know who I think is a disruptor as well? Little Red. Oh, heck yeah. In her own way. <laughs> I mean... That was good casting. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's one of the bravest people. Red has some strength. She's bite. Mm. 
Yeah, oh, she yeah. does that bite. Well, we look forward to uh, to seeing your bite and your red tonight. Thank and, uh, you. And thank you for, for joining us. Disruptions. Yes. Yes. Please. All right. Please. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I know things now, many valuable things that I hadn't known before. Do not put your faith in a cape and a hood. They will not protect you the way that they should. And take extra care with strangers. Even flowers have their dangers. And though scary is exciting, nice is different than good. Now I know, don't be scared. Granny is right, just be prepared. Isn't it nice to know a lot? And a little bit not. Sean McNall is the Associate Artistic Director and Director of Education at Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, and he also plays Don Pedro in Much Ado About Nothing, which we mm-hmm. saw last night. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much oh, for having thank me. Thank you I'm for really coming. Glad to have you on. Um, so I'm I'm curious because um, you also you also do the you're the director of education here, mm-hmm. and education plays a very large part in what you guys do at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. Um, your website is excellent. I read the full script of Much Ado About Nothing, not to mention your dramaturgy PDF, which was outstanding. Can you talk a little bit more about the education programs at the festival and why they're important? Well, we can start, I guess, with the summer because it's uh, there are three basic domains that exist in the education world. During the summer, uh, most of our programs are sort of pre-professional programs for interns and for actors. In fact, several of the actors you saw last night and many that you'll see tonight are non-union actors who are here on an education basis. Kayla, who you were just speaking to just now, for instance, is a member of our conservatory company. Um, and we really celebrate that liminal space but for actors who are just on the verge, I think, of getting their card and are looking to get as many reps as possible here under the guidance and with the mentorship of, of our, our actors here. And that goes that's the same for our intern program as well. A lot of interns are running many of the things you see going on in the tent right now as you speak, which is not uncommon in these kinds of uh, scenarios. I would say that what is uncommon is that whereas I think some programs are pretty eager to put their interns and their actors to work in any capacity possible, myself having been to Actors Theatre of Louisville and loved it in the 90s, but I spent a lot more time removing nails from boards than I did actually (laughs) on the boards themselves. Um, We pride ourselves in trying to provide a kind of you know, graduate level experience with real roles that they can really sink their teeth into. So that means that we spend a good portion of the year looking for these very particular actors that we can sort of train and in one way or another rise to the level of the actors we have under our tent. Many times often exceeded by their enthusiasm and their ability and are surprised that we're in their shadow. But that's okay. That's yeah. how it's supposed to be. That's the way it works. Um, And uh, we also, during the summer, have a host of community-driven programs that are education-oriented, but we put sort of more emphasis on the fun. So, uh, for instance, I just ended a two-week Shakespeare summer camp that we do with kids in the community, and they're all from around the the sort of tri-state area. What age is that? From Well, we have three different groups. One is 8 to 11, and then 11 to sort of the verge of being talented young uh, high school students, and then the high school students. Um, And that's really geared towards bringing in People who are curious about the theater but maybe a little bit more academic or bookish um, would like to be in the spotlight but don't necessarily want to go do Matilda or don't feel like that's, 
you know, they would love to, but that's just really not what they do or that's what they feel most comfortable in. So it becomes this interesting little niche where people get to express themselves in a way and sort of delight their parents because it feels academic and it feels like it's Shakespeare, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's them being irreverent and fun at the yeah. same time. So, <laughs> um, and we also do pro pro professional development programs, which means that we have a very core set of practices that we do throughout the school year. It's a re rehearsal room pedagogy, <laughs> which means that we treat the plays, whatever it is we're teaching in the school, um, with the same uh, sensibilities that an actor or a director or a playwright would. Uh, we push the desks aside, we get up on our feet, and it's a high engagement activity. Um, we do our best to avoid just simply reading the text. So we do professional development programs throughout the summer, which is onboarding a lot of the, the teachers that we work with throughout the school year so they understand what they should expect when our teaching artists come in. Somewhere around September is about the time our full education program begins, and that, that's about a 20-person team. Most of the people uh, are themselves actors or directors mm -hmm. or playwrights. They all live in New York City. We do a bulk of our training in New York City. That is their point of departure. And throughout the year, throughout the tri-state area, um, we have our teaching artists working anywhere from one to five days in a host of up to 50 schools in, in any particular school year from as you know far south as uh, the far Rockaways, far north as we get as far north as Rhinebeck, I wow. guess, at yeah, one given time or another. So it's quite a big scope. Um, and you know, we teach those those plays that you would expect us to teach, those six that are in the curriculum, in addition to also uh, producing a touring production every year, sort of in, we just finished Julius Caesar, it's gonna be concluding its run under the tent tomorrow afternoon. And where was that before, where does, it, where does that tour, all in the that, same area? Well now, that will tour, we, again, it's cast and rehearsed in New York City for about three weeks, the point of departure is in New York City, every day at about 4 a.m. they all get into a bus and they make the wow. large <laughs> migration um, to Newburgh. Uh, many, we, we're heavily grant funded in Westchester, so we serve a lot of schools in the Westchester County, wow. uh, which is proximate and good for them as well. Um, it's about 60, 40 grant funded and people and schools that pay for it outright out of their pocket one mm. way or another. Um, we reach anywhere between 40 and 55,000 students and teachers. Wow. Any That's huge. I, I mean, I, I'm just blown away by the scope of this <laughs> program. Like, oh my gosh. Well, it's, uh, I, I, I will say that before I came here, I've been here five years, I've been here uh, when Davis came mm -hmm. up as the artistic director. We were old, old friends and the first time we met was uh, actually doing Julius Caesar the last time they did it in the park. I just graduated from Juilliard. He was a directing assistant. I came in and played Augustus Caesar. <laughs> and, you know, we've been friends ever since. Um, I went on to work at the Pearl Theater Company for several years, and that was sort of my home for about 12 years. Davis came up here. He brought me up, and I inherited a really robust program. I was very fortunate. Um, I knew the gentleman who ran it before, Chris Edwards, um, and we fortunately had worked together and had very similar points of view on how these programs could and should be successful. And... Um, largely based on the good work that had been laid for those 15 or so years. I sort of built on top of that and we're sort of keeping the good conversation going. Mm -hmm. I love that you go into the schools and you teach the teachers what yes. to expect. Yes. Because that to me says that you're really getting in the foundation, right? Yeah. Because the, if the teachers don't know what you're doing or what you're trying to accomplish, it's going to make it harder for you guys to get through to the students. Yeah, and you'd be... it's. Because pedagogy and the teaching differs over time, I, you know, you're, our younger teachers, I think, are a little bit more accustomed to sort of high engagement learning in one way or another. So they're a little bit easier to incorporate and really get physical. But it doesn't. What's, what's wonderful about it is, it's also we're 
teaching the teachers how they should be the best students in the classroom once we are actually arrive so that they know that we expect you to be in there and to be modeling for your students because mm -hmm. they're going to be looking to you to be foolish because a lot of what mm -hmm. we're asking them to do is go out play the fool take a big risk be bold like an actor would and discover you know the text in your body so that you can learn to love the plays and realize that you know humanity's been the same since right. <laughs> it's interesting that it's hard to get kids to play the fool yes but i guess shakespeare's scary for everyone but it shouldn't be. It right? shouldn't be. And no. that's that's probably one of the main things that you try to teach everybody. Absolutely. I would say that I came to it similarly. I would say I was attracted to Shakespeare initially as a kid because of the level of difficulty in one mm. way or another. There was something attractive about, oh, if I'm going to be an actor, I want to do the hardest thing. And if I can do the hardest thing, I can do the easiest thing. Um, but I quickly realized that what was hard and strange about it was really, it was a mistake in how, in one way or another, I... I engaged for the first time. I remember so vividly sitting in a classroom, middle school, reading Julius Caesar aloud, mm -hmm. and being embarrassed to hear my own voice speaking the words among, among my peers because there was a sort of a, 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 a liturgical quality to it. Like, here we are doing this terrible thing that we don't, we don't, we don't understand it, we don't care about it, and you're making me pretend like I'm wearing a toga, <laughs> right. um, which is embarrassing. Sorry, it was particularly in the 80s and 90s, uh, but uh, less so now. Now you might see a toga in school. Right, wonderful. exactly. Yeah. My God. Um, but then I quickly realized that, you know, people have always been the same and that much of what we think of when we think of storytelling and indeed human being was in some ways first breathed into life in Shakespeare and first mm. became the popularization of the human being for, first came in. And that's through everything that's included, the high and the low, the fools, the sex, the, sex, the violence, everything that we love about entertainment was very much there. And mm. he was playing to the same interests and the same ideas that we are now. And to reveal that to a young audience or an old audience is a great privilege, but there's also a kind of giddiness and watching people discover that for themselves the way you did. And you can pass that large conversation on moving forward. And that's what excites me the most about it. It's seeing, seeing the lights turn on in someone's head and when they're doing something like Macbeth and understanding that the same ambitions, the same potential for making bad choices as it were sort of exists in them and they see it all around them mm. and that they can learn a little bit or project a little bit of their own experience on these characters that seem otherwise so remote. Right. right. It's very gratifying. Yes, it is. Oh, it's yeah. wonderfully gratifying. Glenda Jackson calls Shakespeare the most contemporary writer today. I would, th I would think you know, so. I, I mean, love thinking about it. We live in extreme. We live right. in extremes, and if he didn't do anything, it was right? he wrote extremes. That's for oh, sure. No. <laughs> How do you balance your, your role as both administrator in the company and an actor? Yeah, it's complicated. I mean, it's wonderful from September through April when I'm only in the office, nine to five. I have a six-year-old son and a wife, and this decision was largely made so I could be a father proper. Um, but Davis was really keen, because I'm the associate artistic director, not to bring a person whose eye was necessarily geared towards directing. Right. Mm. Um, I do a lot of leading from within. I'm a kind of, he describes me as, a, as an ombudsman. <laughs> uh, I largely do conflict you know, resolution and try to make sure that everyone kind of understands the best practices and that everyone knows that there's someone that's deeply concerned about their experience here. There's you conflict can see, with actors? Well, yes. I mean, you can look around. It's, it's not only the interpersonal conflict, but it's also just we're at odds with the elements right, right. here. Yeah. And it's understanding and having a sense of the rhythm of producing under this tent and making sure that people can anticipate what's coming. And once we're in the midst of something that seems uncontrollable and chaotic, that it's okay and we can be successful in spite of that or, you know, because of it in, in some ways. Um, but it does get tricky. I mean, one of the things that when I came up, I sort of joked with Kayla. I said I was just in your neck of the woods. Um, 
it was one of those situations in which I needed to go and address um, some things that have been bubbling up and um, help some people come to terms with where they are on this evening that they're going to be doing a show. <laughs> um, and that's, that's a privilege. It, I get to be the human and portray the human at the same mm. time. I would say it's probably more complicated for those that are my peers. Right, um, right. Because I, I try to go to great lengths to let them know that, you know, I'm not the Stasi. I'm not just spying <laughs> on you. you know, right. I, there is a, I'm committed to your experience here. Right. And if nothing else, I'm just, when something happens, it reverberates through me like a bell. And people that need to hear it do. And then we can do something about it to make their experience, you know, everything they need it to be. Um, but it is complicated, for sure. Well, they're a lucky company to have you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank That's you very much. Sure. Thank well, you. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for, for chatting with us. Thank we're, you so we're very much. We're loving our experience up here. Yeah. And uh, thank you for giving us a little bit more insight. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Thank you. Why you do what you do, that's the point. All the rest of it is chatter. Look at her, she's crying. Yes, the thing you do is pure in intent. If it's meant and it's just a little bent, does it matter? Yes. No, what matters is that everyone tells tiny lies. What's important really is the size. Only three more tries and we'll have our prize when the end's in sight, you'll realize. If the end is right, it justifies the beat. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are delighted to introduce Davis McCallum, the Artistic Director of Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. Davis, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for making the trip. Oh, of course. You took over the role of um, Artistic Director from the festival's founder. I did. um, Terry O'Brien. Um, so what was it like stepping into the shoes of someone who had created the company and then now leading it into the future? Well, Terry ran it for 27 years. Wow. And so his artistic, you know, fingerprints are all over our, our kind of house style of the way we produce Shakespeare and mm-hmm. what our audience comes to expect and the whole experience when they come to this this place. Um, and I think luckily I, f- I felt like my approach was very aligned with his and I was, you know, honored to really kind of carry forward the legacy that he had started. Like you guys were saying, I, I, I had only been here once before to see a production of Hamlet, I think in 2013 maybe, or mm-hmm. maybe 20, 2012, I was workshopping a new musical at New York Station Film in Poughkeepsie. And my friend was playing Hamlet, and I thought, okay, I'll come down and see you play Hamlet. And then a couple years later, when this job came up, I thought, I actually loved going to that theater. I'm, I'm interested in that job. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I thought uh, could be an advantage for the theater is to really capitalize on the fact that we're just 50 miles from Times Square. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're here at this amazing view in this location that feels like it's another world, but... Right. You can get on the train at Grand Central Station and be in Cold Spring in an hour and 15 minutes. And we just did. Yeah, we just did. We (laughs) literally just got off that train. (laughs) It is true. (laughs) That's amazing. That's Um, very easy. So how how do you describe 
your role as artistic director then? Well, the most important thing I do is I choose the plays that we're going to produce mm. and I curate the artists that are going to bring those plays to life. Um, and that process happens kind of as soon as we get the first plays of a current season up. I'm mm. thinking about what we're going to be doing next year. And then we normally announce the plays in October and hire designers in the fall and do a bunch of pre-production and cast right before the holidays. And then we um, do a little more pre-production and produce a really robust program of educational um, you know, uh, programming in the early spring. And then we start rehearsal in April. So it's a kind of a 12-month cycle that comes around pretty quickly, yeah. even though our performances are more or less Memorial Day to Labor Day. Right. And how did you come to Into the Woods? Because this is your Into the Woods is your first musical. It's it's true. Yes, we we did this production of um, a world premiere of an adaptation of Rip Van Winkle last year, okay. and we did it kind of inspired by the public works shows that they do at the Delacorte uh, at the end of the Shakespeare in the Park season. Um, so we had a huge cast of community members, and we had a live band and an original score, and. Uh, so it was one of the first times we had heard a band under that tent. And it was during that production that uh, I started to think the kind of conventional wisdom that a musical would never be possible under that tent might not be true. Yeah. And so we started to investigate what, what kind of um, you know, additions we'd have to make to just the, the hardware of the tent to, to make a musical happen. But... Um, Really, this I'm so proud of this production of, of Into the Woods you guys are going to see tonight. And, and among the things I'm most proud of is the fact that it sounds great. <laughs> I have a really great musical director, Amanda Morton, and Ken Travis is the sound designer. And uh, together they've just kind of done a minor miracle because it really it sounds terrific under an mm. open-air tent. Yeah, there's uh, a bit, I think, of your sits probe on your website. Yes. Uh, which it, uh, yes, it does sound fantastic. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait. Does, does that mean there's a short list of other musicals that may or may not happen in the well, near future? Uh, a number of artists. Can make some news uh, <laughs> for us here? I know. I'd love, to, I'd love to pull in some extra listeners to, to the Fabulous Invalid podcast with this breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I will say that as soon as I programmed it, I thought, you know, uh, a lot of other theaters that you know, have Shakespeare in their name in Ashland, Oregon, or Stratford, Ontario, or the Shakespeare Theater in D.C. have started to include the kind of classic, uh, you know, golden age American musical theater mm. as part of what we understand a classic to be. Um, but I, I really was attracted to, to Woods because it's, um, it's a musical that really seems like it values language. The lyrics yes. are so important. Oh and there's so much book, especially in the second act. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so it felt like actors that had a kind of muscle for Shakespeare and could sing the amazing score would be a perfect group to tackle a very actor-driven um, production of Woods. Mm. And, um, you know, now I'm just kind of free associating about Woods, but <laughs> I think it's, it's often produced in a way that feels like it kind of weighs it down. And it's, it's long for a musical, and it takes a bunch of really hairpin turns in terms of tone and story. And that feels kind of like a Shakespeare play. If you have a big set, it, it, it can slow it down and kind of enforce a, a kind of singular tone over the whole show. Mm. And I think a, a musical like this wants to be hilariously funny and kind of break your heart in the next moment. And you want to 
have the music and the actors really be able to mm. modulate that. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things I like well, about Let's see, it. you know, the amazing thing about We Saw Much Ado last night and just the economy of the staging, right? Right. Two benches and, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a stairwell. And that was it. Yeah. You know, and the all and in, in the the places the space is so dynamic and entrances and exits from every different corner and I'm sure we'll see that tonight. Yeah, <laughs> you, <laughs> to will, the you, will, yeah. you know, because the show calls for it, of course. Um, well, you touched on something that I wanted to ask you about in particular, which is um, you know expanding beyond the canon of Shakespeare to include other works uh, by more contemporary artists or other classics in uh, in your seasons. What what is sort of the thought process behind that, and how do you arrive at what what more contemporary works in particular to, to, to include? Well, you know, our, our space is a 530-seat, basically a circus tent, right. you know, and, and there's no deck on the floor. Right. The actors are standing right on basically the ground. It's a kind of synthetic, you know, sand ground that they use in Kayla horse jumping. Kayla it a sandbox. A yeah. sandbox, yeah, as long as you don't call it a kitty, kitty litter box. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so therefore I'm really excited by plays that feel like they're it's about the relationship between the actors and the audience mm. you know because i you know what, what do i know about what shakespeare was really like in you know the 17th century but i feel like those plays work best when the audience is in really spontaneous collaboration with the actors mm. so i can sometimes sit in the tent in tech or in a preview and if i feel like the audience is just kind of regarding the play mm. without feeling like they've been invited to lean forward and really participate in it, then, then, then the tent's not actually being utilized. Right. They can never disappear the audience in this tent, in part because the show starts at 7.30 and it's in broad daylight. Right. But also, uh, kind of energetically, their presence has to be the key thing that unfolds the play. I was listening to you guys talk, about, talk to Andre de Shields about Hades Town, and I love that show, too. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that, that sense of a contract with the audience is yeah. fundamental to what we're trying to do here as well. Yeah. Mm. And do you find that when you bring up new directors and it's the first time working in the tent that there's a little like history lesson that has to be given or this is how we use the tent or do you let them just go on their own and then adjust as needed? It's a little bit of a mix. I mean, I, my philosophy is basically you hire really great people and let them do their thing and try and support them to the full extent of what the theater can manage. Uh, but also I, I think, uh, you know, there are just a couple of little hints about the way, you know, the acoustics in that tent work or <laughs> how the, how the pre-show unfolds. Um, and I've kind of made a rule for myself that when I'm talking to directors about projects in the future that they just have to come up and see it, you know, because if I have a coffee with a director who's interested in X, Y, or Z production, We'll spend half the coffee t me trying to describe this tent. Right, exactly. <laughs> I see the look on their faces, just right. like I'm not understanding what you're saying. <laughs> but if they come, then 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 immediately they're like, "Oh, this this thing I was going to pitch you makes no sense because it mm. really needs a set." Or maybe we should think about this instead. And I've had mm. the most fruitful conversations that yeah. way. Well, that's what makes this this space so special too, right? Is that it is it is unique. It is its own thing. You have to really come here and see it to really fully appreciate the magic that happens uh, in that tent. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, something else that uh, I really was struck by and really appreciated about your company is the is the diversity among the members. And I'm wondering um, how you intentionally go about fostering, you know, or casting uh, 
a diverse group of actors and, and how that sort of fits into the mission overall of Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival? Well, it's, it's one of our core values is uh, inclusion. And, and that's kind of based around the idea that the tent is an inclusive space. I mean, it mm. doesn't have walls. It's right. a place where we, you know, that phrase that, you know, the Democratic Party, you know, like, let's have it be a big, big tent, tent. Yeah. you know, and what <laughs> well, we have is a big tent. from somewhere, you know? right? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I think that the, the origin of that is that sense that we're all in it together. Um, and so we, we, we do um, feel like it's important to put on stage and, and backstage and for the people who are leading the projects and designing the shows that represent the, the world on stage that reflects the world we all share, mm-hmm. um, you know, the audience has gotten more diverse uh, in recent years, and the company's gotten more diverse. There's a, um, a, a state park not too far away from us, near where 301 intersects the Taconic, that has um, you know, a little beach at the lake there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love to go there with my family in part because it's, it's just wildly diverse. It's mm. everybody together on a hot July afternoon <laughs> trying to get a little bit of cool and, and jump in the lake. And um, so in terms of, uh, you know, the, the theater, I think we'll um, continue to try and move the theater so that everybody feels that this is a place that belongs to them. Mm. Um, and we think about that when we're programming and we think about that when we're casting and hiring too. Yeah. Well, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thinking about the future, um, what would you like to, what, what is your vision for, for this company um, moving forward, say five years from now, what, what, what would you like to achieve? Well, it's a great question. You know, we're on the grounds of Boscobel, a historic house museum. And, you know, our theater, if we were here in early April, there'd be nothing but just kind of a, a gravel patch over there. We kind of come up from zero mm. and down to zero <laughs> at the end of September. And, you know, 32,000 people see the shows here every summer, which is a large number of people. 70-something, 77 performances. Um, And I don't know this to be true, but looking across the wider field of the American theater, I can't think of another theater that doesn't have a building, even one that they rent, that has 32,000 people seeing a show. So our... You know, our reach and I'd like to think our impact is way, um, you know, above the amount of infrastructure that we actually have. So, you know, I'd love to have a kind of 2.0 of this um, performance facility that has better bathrooms and a better concession stand for the audience and a much, much better dressing room uh, (laughs) for our artists and for our wardrobe staff. Um, Jen Thompson, who directed Into the Woods, calls our backstage tent, which it is a tent. She calls it the MASH tent. And I like, (laughs) (laughs) if you know, we're of the same generation and watched MASH on TV, then you know exactly what she means. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. It's it's both complimentary and also a little bit of a diss. I I took it in the best possible spirit and then we all laughed about it. But immediately I said, you know, that is a nickname that is going to stick. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so apropos. That's great. Oh my gosh, cool. Amazing. Well, Jamie, we we always have one question that we ask all of our guests, and I'll have Jamie ask it because he's uh, the best at we doing. We do ask everyone <laughs> this, and that is, what was that show or experience that made you want to work in the theater? My God, what a great, what a great question! You know, um, we're also producing Cyrano this summer, 
And uh, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, and there was a theater there, which at the time actually was performing under a tent, <laughs> the Georgia Shakespeare Festival, which sadly is, is no more. Mm. Um, and uh, they did this production of Cyrano probably in the late 80s or early 90s. And it was swelteringly hot under that tent. And they had fans that would kind of slowly rotate <laughs> right. at the top of the tent. And because it was the late 80s, there was a huge kind of wig and hair design. Oh, sure. I remember the actors, just the wigs just kind of like <laughs> sticking to their faces. Oh, no. But it was also completely magical. And there's this great actor that was playing Cyrano with a huge prosthetic nose. I'm sure if I could you know, take a hot tub time machine to right. 1990 and look at it, I would have all sorts of things to say about it. But at the time, I was just <laughs> completely transported. Mm. And I went back maybe three or four times oh, that wow. summer to see that show. Um, and it was something about the magic of language and, you know, on a, on a summer night and all those people packed into that tent kind of breathing together. Yeah. Um, so... It's funny how whatever it is that sends you into the theater in the first place, it's, it, I don't know what the metaphor is, but it's right. like some kind of, some, some from the animal kingdom, some kind of like moment of, oh, yep. that's it. Yep. And you end up kind of pursuing that thing, mm -hmm. even subconsciously. Totally. Yeah. Um, For the rest of your life. Uh, well, also <laughs> other things, hopefully. Yes. And it's been a full circle moment. That's I right. would You're imagine doing tent. Cyrano. Yeah. This year. Yeah, it's a great production uh, yeah. of Cyrano. We also have uh, uh, astonishing actor Jason O'Connell who's playing Cyrano, and he co-adapted it with his friend Brenda Withers, who in addition to being a great playwright is also a wonderful actor. Um, and there are only five actors in it, so it really is a kind of celebration of, um, you know, the, the kind of creative spirit, the kind of poetic spirit mm. that Cyrano personifies yeah. um funny and also pretty heartbreaking uh so you guys saw much of doing your seeing woods so when i persuade you to come back know, on that train in august right. you'll, you'll see Sierra. oh you won't have to work hard at all to persuade <laughs> us to come back good so, well thank Perfect. you so much for chatting with us and uh, we look forward to seeing the show tonight yes thanks very much to you thank guys thank you Rob here with You May Be Wondering. Following our conversations with Davis, Sean, and Kayla, you may be wondering more about the history of the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival itself and how you can come see a show. Well, the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival, or HVSF, was founded by Melissa Stern and Terry O'Brien in September 1987 with an outdoor production of A Midsummer Night's Dream at Manitoga, the home of industrial designer Russell Wright in Garrison, New York, about an hour or so north of Manhattan. The following year, HVSF staged a production of Shakespeare's As You Like It, under a tent, overlooking the Hudson River on the expansive grounds of Boscobel House and Gardens, an historic neoclassical home named for Boscobel Manor in England that was built by British loyalists between 1804 and 1808, raised in 1955, then rebuilt 15 miles north at its current scenic location in Putnam County. Every summer since, HVSF has grown, adding a second show to their annual summer season in 1994, an annual touring production for local middle and high schools starting in 2004, 
a custom-designed open-air theater tent with seating for 540 patrons built in 2006, and a third show to their annual season in 2008. As we mentioned, this summer's production of Into the Woods marks the first musical that HVSF has ever produced. Since 1987, more than 500,000 audience members have seen a production at HVSF. And you can too. Performances of Into the Woods, Cyrano, and Much Ado About Nothing continue until September 8th. And HVSF is accessible to New York City and surrounding areas by car, bus, train, shuttle, or taxi. Just check out their website. They've got all the details there. Of course, HVSF is not the only summer Shakespeare company in America. I'm willing to bet that no matter where you are listening from, there is some form of summer theater nearby, Shakespeare or not, oftentimes free or else very affordable. The most famous, of course, is the public theater's Free Shakespeare in the Park in Central Park in Manhattan, which was founded as the New York Shakespeare Festival by visionary theater pioneer Joe Papp in 1954, and itself started a trend in cities nationwide. Today, the acclaimed Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland offers a robust season of programming, combining new works and classics. The Shakespeare Theatre Company in Washington, D.C. offers free summer performances, as does the Chicago Shakespeare in the Parks, Baltimore Shakespeare Festival, Shakespeare on the Common in Boston, Shakespeare Dallas, the Colonial Theatre of Rhode Island, Pittsburgh Shakespeare in the Parks, Shakespeare by the Sea in Los Angeles and Orange County, the Portland Actors Ensemble, the Austin Shakespeare Festival, the Kentucky Shakespeare Festival, the Nashville State Shakespeare Festival, the South Dakota Shakespeare Festival, which just started a couple years ago, and the Heart of America Shakespeare Festival in Kansas City, and the list goes on and on. Something quite unique about HVSF, though, is the fact that it is a repertory company, meaning that the same ensemble of actors perform up to three shows simultaneously, rotating on different nights of the week. Yesterday, Jamie and I saw Much Ado About Nothing. Tonight, we see Into the Woods, and tomorrow night, the company will perform Cyrano. In North America, only the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland and the Stratford and Shaw Festivals in Canada really offer such a traditional repertory programming experience, a delight for audiences and actors alike. Sitting under the tent at HVSF, looking out at the sun setting across the glistening Hudson River, I was reminded that there's nothing like an open-air theater. And there's something really incredibly special about revisiting the plays of Shakespeare, the Elizabethan era, and other classics, many if not most of which were originally performed outside or in open-air venues during the summer. It's no mistake that these companies are often called festivals. There's a sense of occasion, of celebration, of community that is created in such a setting that makes for a memorable and enchanting summer evening. If not this summer, definitely put Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival or another outdoor theater company near you on your radar for next summer. You won't regret it. Jamie here. That's our show. Thanks for listening. You can hear us anytime on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Fabulous Invalid is a production of O&M Etc. and The Fabulous Invalid LLC. Our theme is by Lucky Chops. Today's episode was edited and engineered by Aaron Kaufman. And a very special thank you to Matt Ross PR and everyone at the Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival for being so accommodating. Find us online at thefabulousinvalid.com and on social media at Fabulous Invalid. And be sure to tune in Wednesdays starting in September.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.